You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. It's Monday night or I'm in a lot of trouble, but I have somebody here that's going to help bail me out. And I am so excited. I don't need green fantasy balls to have my fantasy come true. That's right. I said it. Fantasy balls. I don't need those because it's Mission Log Live. It's 7 p.m. Pacific and 10 p.m. Eastern. I'm so excited. I can't even hide it. Um, And I have my very special guest here who have not seen in at least a standard Earth several months. Ashley Victoria Robinson back on Mission Log Live coming in hot. How you doing? But fun fact, the last time we saw each other was in person. So that yeah, was yeah. a real blessing. Oh, that's true. And we didn't take a picture. You were so distraught. I know. Yeah. Uh, I'm very bad about that. Uh, I wanted to say, I meant to say this before we started. Your hair looks great today. You're you're really serving this look today. So thank you oh, for dressing up for me. You're welcome. Well, I did. I pulled out one of my finest uh, Hawaiians, uh, ironed it up a little bit and uh, threw a lot of product in my hair. You know, just to give you like the full on she she like. LA vibe that you deserve. Merci. You know? Thank you so, so much. Uh, yeah. Just I'm bringing that Anaheim. My shirt is from <laughs> Disneyland, Haunted Mansion. That's the vibe that she's bringing today. Uh, when you said, when you started by saying green fantasy, I, I my brain was immediately like, oh, Tendi? Like this is <laughs> Tendi, my my green fantasy girl. Uh, forgetting completely that this is a major plot point of this episode is the green fantasy ball. <laughs> <laughs> my, my double or triple entendre. Uh, way is- say so. <laughs> mm, way. <laughs> All right. Should we do oh. the uh should we do the important stuff or what? Should we talk well, about this what? episode? Are we catching up? Are we talking about D23? What's happening? I feel so like laid back and chill right now because you're here that I'm gonna basically say, you know what? Let's catch up with you. The audience hasn't seen you in a while. They've seen me, they've heard me, they've seen John, heard John, and uh, you know, and Shar's been doing a great job um when Thank she you know you. when she was here on the show. All blessings but, and gratitude to her. But you're back. And uh, according to what's happening in Facebook, the Facebook peeps are excited. So give them a thrill. Hi, Facebook people. Applause, I, applause, I, applause. I remember when I was a teenager and posted many embarrassing selfies on your very platform. Um <laughs> But I did make that Anaheim joke because I did just get back from D23. It was my first mm-hmm. D23. Um bunch of non-announcements which is fine no pen badgley out there as a mr i have no i have no skin in the fantastic four game but i do love that rumor that he was gonna be and uh and they they uh marched key kwan out and did not announce a short round series so like i'm so sad what what are we even i mean he'll be great in loki but like i i just hope he's uh stringing them out for all the money I hope he wants a dump truck full of cash to come back, and I, I would love to see it. So doing that, buzzing around, getting ready for New York Comic Con in like a month. So if anyone's going to that, please come and say hello. Yeah. You're a, whirl, you're a whirlwind. I mean, you're everywhere. Like pinball. Like American yeah. pinball, right? Oh, like the, uh, like the Godzilla pinball machine, which is my personal favorite pinball machine. Indeed. Yeah. So. All right. So uh, let's take a look at um, what's going on with the Facebook chat. So it's pretty much, you know, I'm just going to like read names and pretty much read what they're saying. So we have Paul Wright, Paul Harvest, and Dr. Dawson. Hey, guys, how you doing? Alan, uh, glad to have you here. Most of the people you've probably already seen or know from our Discord. And um, pretty much everyone's like, hello, Ashley. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Ashley. Hello. Hello. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> Bonjour, bonsoir. Comment ça va? In German, hello. Jim McMahon <laughs> says, of course, we're excited to see Ashley. And why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you be excited? I'm excited and I'm, uh, you know, hosting this thing with her, you know, so it's She's all good. She's caffeinated. She's excited. The hand gestures are back. Oh, I've missed. I haven't done that in so long. <laughs> <laughs> mm, indeed. Or we can do this later on because we. Oh, uh, I have, uh, yeah. I have many, I have many Andorian notes. I know. We I was be. thinking of you. <laughs> so okay, uh, <laughs> Ash, please tell all of our listeners how they can get in touch with us, how they can get into the Earl Green Room. Yes, as you know, you're an important part of this show. You're important to me. I love your beautiful, sexy people, and we want to hear from you. So click on the Zoom meeting link, or you can use a one tap from your smartphone. I've said that a bunch of times, and I still don't know what it means, but people do it successfully, and I applaud Mm -hmm. you. Call 
us at 669-900-6833 and bravely enter the meeting code and our beautiful, sexy assistant, Earl. Mm-hmm. That's right. He is beautiful. He is sexy and he is in control of the button. So make yes. sure that you <laughs> do exactly what uh, Ashley says or you will be held in stasis forever. Oregon is just sends you some green fantasy balls and you guys can play with those. So here's going to catch you up on Mission Log for a little bit because we have some stuff going on this week. We have the coverage of Voyager continuing this Thursday with Tattoo. So this oh. is the one where to co- Yes, Tattoo. Good episode. Yes. So you might not like my little burp. Uh, let's see. So this is where Chakotay's flashbacks to his angrier past or more interesting than his current present. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> Mission Log The Orville, hosted by Captain Mike Richards and Jessica Lynn Verity. And Mission Log Engage will have more episodes coming soon. We're working on some new content and recording some new stuff for you and scheduling some other great programming. So stay tuned for that. Let you know where you can find those in a second because big news of the week. <gasps> Big news of the yeah. week. Big news from Star Trek Day. Mission Log Prodigy is going to be coming back, hosted by us. That's Finally. Ashley myself. Finally. And that's happening. Prodigy is releasing on 1027. That's October 27th. And we are going to be right in after that. So make sure you go to youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment. Check out all of the videos that we are posting there. We have a lot there for you. Again, we have Mission Log, The Orville. We have Mission Log, Engage. We have Mission Log, Prodigy, the first 10 episodes, plus some really great interviews. All of that stuff heading your way. Podcast.roddenberry.com is where you can find Mission Log, the main show. That's what we have going on. I'm trying to like rip through this as fast as I can because (laughs) it's time for what you've all been waiting for, for why you're here. You've seen me a bunch of times. So what you want to listen to is Ashley V. Rob. That's a W. V. Rob. <laughs> it's two V's. I know, it's two V's. <laughs> so many V's. Ashley V. Robinson doing the recap for Lower Deck Season 3, Mining the Minds Minds. Okay, I felt a lot of pressure to write this recap, so we'll see if this is as much of a mess as they usually are when I pen them. Does the Cerritos have a reputation? This is the question that spins around in a traditionally meta-narrative piece of storytelling from Star Trek Lower Decks. Our crew is on Genghis 4, picking up in the wake of the USS Hood, a sick name for a starship, I have to say. And like the second contact crew does, they're there picking up the trash. Ransom orders them to clean up the mess after a bunch of science weirdos, and we think we have a pretty good sense of how this episode is going to go. Something will go wrong. Wacky adventures. Mariner and Boimler prove themselves to be leaders. Tendi and Rutherford make jokes. And we all go back to the Cerritos at the end of the day. Wrong. Our crew is forced to work with Lower Deckers from the USS Carlsbad, and the competition immediately ensues. How could it not? Mariner actually tries to befriend the Carlsbad crew in a nice piece of character growth, I have to say, from season one Mariner, but they are not having it. Carrie Walgreen said, I am Starfire. I am not polite. The crew of the Cerritos are preceded by their reputation, and it seems to be bad. Mariner won't take the cold shoulder from the Carlsbad crew lying down. This is officially a competition, and Mariner, Boimler, and Rutherford are going to win if it's the last thing that they do. Unfortunately, what everyone is cleaning up is not a bunch of rocks, as Rutherford describes it. But, I mean, they are a bunch of rocks, but they just happen to have psychic powers that tend to bring your fantasies to life. How embarrassing could that possibly be? How many shirtless Rikers will show up when I touch one? Time will only tell. (laughs) Meanwhile, back aboard the Cerritos, Tendi is undergoing superior officer training with Dr. Miglimu. I also wrote spelling after my note because I have no idea how to spell that character's name. But she is not thrilled to be working with him. Where's Dr. Ta'ana when you need her? Meow. Just kidding. She's tasked with training actually under Captain Freeman, who is undertaking an important negotiation with the captain of the Carlsbad. Miglyboo needs Tendi to catch the captain's attention. Easy peasy. How could this possibly go wrong? The aforementioned fantasies include Rutherford cum Leah Brahm, which I'm sure is already a category on AO3 and FFNet. I will look forward to reading those later. Boimler fighting the Borg and Mariner admitting that Jennifer is actually her girlfriend and they actually are in love. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Please kiss and make them marry, Mike. That is my new ship forever. 
Orbs break, space goo leaks, fantasies turn into nightmare, there's a big Borg snake, there's a cameo from a Star Trek the Animated Series character, the Boimler Raisin Farm gets a mention, and both crews are forced to hide in a cave. Meanwhile, on board the Cerritos, Captain Freeman and the captain of the Carlsbad, Captain Mayer, get into a polite off. Respect for the elder, admiration for the young, old school versus new school. Shenanigans ensue. There's a ceremonial totem. Who should keep it? Tendi is overwhelmed. We'll see. Stuck back in the cave, the crews of the Cerritos and Carlsbad actually get to know each other and they begin to understand the truth of how similar they really are. The Carlsbad crew admits that they were trying to impress the Cerritos crew because they are, quote, the coolest, end quote, and I mean, like, true, we all knew it, and are legendary across the Cali class of ships. When they lower their boundaries, the ensigns realize that some... Something is off with their fantasies. I can read my own writing. They follow this rabbit hole until they uncover the truth of the matter. The Scrubble and the scientists, that is the indigenous people and the scientists who colonize them, have been working together to hack Starfleet. They are data mining. Apparently, that's still a concern in the future. (laughs) The Carlsbad embraces the, quote, full Cerritos experience, end quote, and they save the day by working together. Meanwhile, aboard the Cerritos, Freeman and Mayer are able to set aside their differences, just like their crews, and detain the leaders of the Scrubble and the scientists who were distracting them from the aforementioned data mining with a little help from trainee Tendi, of course, because Tendi smash! And that turns out that the totem that they were fighting over was meant to bug one of the Cali-class captains and further data mine Starfleet. I can't believe that we're talking about data mining so much in an episode sent in the 24th century. Everyone congregates at the Cerritos bar where we viewers finally get confirmation that the characters of Lower Decks are as beloved in-universe as we know them to be as characters of a television show. (gasps) The end. All right, everyone out there, applause right now because (laughs) (laughs) like when when I do a recap, I'm like very... This is what happened. This is that what happened. And this happened. And Ashley is just guns blazing, like all over this. I take the interpretive dance version. It's so fun. You know what? And it's fun to watch live, but it's probably even even more fun to like listen like later on, like when it's it's published. With none of the hand gestures. It's it's interpretive dance. Like, what is she doing? Um, But thanks. Great, great recap, Ashley. Love the energy you bring. Um, I just... I'm I'm so in awe of the uh, the fun and had a coffee. I'm ready to go. Oh, just one coffee. <laughs> just okay. One. We'll see what happens when we get you to two. Ooh, you know, then we'll do the next week's recap. Only dos or or uh, due. So I have a thing. Mm-hmm. I have a uh, I have one moral meaning or message because I have a ton of notes and I want to actually I have two things I kind of want to get to. So I have this whole moral meaning message about the Carlsbad crew admitting that they were the ones intimidated by the Cerritos crew. And there's always two sides to every story. I love mm. how that there's kind of like this hero worship, but it kind of was backfiring on them because they wanted to show like how serious and how good and how efficient they were just because they think that Cerritos crew, who we know to be completely not that, mm-hmm. but they are that. And they're getting that kind of respect, which leads me to the best line in the episode, I think. I mean, regardless of the humor, regardless of all the Easter eggs, this is my favorite line. The Cerritos is the enterprise of the support ships. Yeah. Love that. So much respect, right? In the California class ships, which is <laughs> fantastic. Um, let's get to a couple of your points, actually, before we get into our callers. What, what really kind of like, uh, well, we know one, we're doing this little Andorian thing yeah. with our fingers and you know, ear. So, did you love the Andorian stuff as much as I did? I loved it so much. I love Jennifer the Andorian. I loved that she got to be um, Mariner's girlfriend or like girl she's dating. Fantasy um, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, and look, I know she's a cartoon, and like you can have whatever feelings you want, but she looks smoking hot in that bikini coom lingerie mm. thing that she showed up in and there is something about the andorians that is like really cool and really compelling and really attractive i don't know if it's the idea of like that they're blue in the same way that the orions being green is like really really kind of attractive and erotic in this particularly uh 60s sci-fi kind of way but like jennifer can get it from anyone But I also love that, like, yes, it's funny and yes, it's sexy and titillating and it's pushing the boundaries of like what we do in a Star Trek show as Lower Decks Mm -hmm. does when it's at its best. But it also tells you a lot about Mariner that like 
she really does love Jennifer. And what does that mean? And what does that mean about her not being able to, or struggling maybe to embrace that and to put a label on it. I think it's lovely. I also really didn't want her to have a romantic relationship with Boimler. So I'm glad that this seems to be superseding that. And they're just going to be super best friends, just the way my beloved Rutherford and Tendi are going to remain super best friends, tragically to me. But now I have a new thing. I want them to get married. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Please, mm-hmm. please, please. I'm dying. Um, but just more Jennifer in general is a good thing. And I think that the season is going to, I think they're going to give me what I want. I'm speaking it into the universe. There you go. So uh, let's see a little bit more of that Andorian uh, fantasy happening. Let's see a little bit more of, well, you know what? I felt a little bad for Bradward because, you know, he's always <laughs> never, never the rider and always the, always the sidecar. Hard cosine. I hate driving. Correct. He is right. This is the one thing Boimler and I agree on. So, um, gosh, I won't even want to ask. Well, you know what? I'm going to ask. You know the the chat out there. So, chat. If you got, uh, if you were in the vicinity of of these green fantasy balls, what would happen to you? (laughs) You know, inquiring minds, inquiring minds want to know. Doctor Mikleymu wants to know. And speaking of Doctor Mikleymu, we have our own very personal, very special, very. Uh, I guess crocheted Dr. Miggly Moo. Every once in a while, we have Chris Bauer on the line for our first caller. Chris, what's happening, man? Hey, guys. Good to see you. Ashley, good to see you again. Um, yeah, I think we all know what I'm going to say about this episode, but I'll say it anyway. Dr. Miggly Moo's back. Right. He's excited. <laughs> He's in the A plot. He's got mm-hmm. like 20 lines of dialogue. This is very exciting for me. Um, yeah, this, this, this was a good one. This was all around a good episode. I thought of you like almost immediately when Miglimu was there as the mentor. I was like, "Oh, Chris is gonna be all over this. I can't wait." And of course, it's like I'm glad you got pole position on the call because you're Miglimu. People have seen it. It's fantastic. It's crocheted. I'm sure it's warm. Uh, but you know, you also have you have two of your cosplays, as far as I can tell, three, I think, because you do uh, Doctor Taana. But you also have the Cetacean Ops in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, who are very upset at Bradward's uh, d- dirty shoes. So. Uh, did you did you uh, did you dig the episode overall? Did you dig it just because Miglimo? I mean, was it hitting like all your? I mean, it's, I mean, it's, obviously Miglimo so. is obviously like bonus points off, the, off obviously yes. Um, but no, all around, I thought it was a really good episode. I really thought there was a really good moral meaning message in the Tendi plot in the Tendi Miglimo plot. It was sort of like know your worth, have self confidence, and I thought you know, that was a really good thing that he was trying to teach her. You know, his execution was you know maybe a little. Eh, little sitcom but you know we are in a sitcom but this idea of you know know when to speak up know your value i thought that was really that was really good so i really like that and like ashley you were saying the the mariner jennifer stuff is i love all that's all good wonderful chris i want to thank you for coming appropriately attired in andorian blue you understood the assignment uh also chris and i had dinner last week and i was like it's i think this episode is so good i hope you like it if you don't like i'm sorry i don't mean to raise the bar too high so i'm glad that you're coming on here with a lot of positive things to say (laughs) so with um with Say, you know, like Tendi, like growing as a character and uh, they're all having their moments right now. Right. So was there someone in this episode that you didn't feel in this in our Cerritos crew that didn't really have uh, as big of a role to play this time as, uh, say, like, you know, other characters? Because sometimes you have to, like, switch focus and stuff. This is I think for me, this is clearly the Tendi episode. Right. Um, but uh, maybe Boiler took a backseat this time because, you know, he got hit with a spear last episode. So. You know, maybe that's <laughs> much his story. This, this was the sort of Mariner Tendi episode. Boiler's still there. Rutherford really hasn't had an episode yet. I'm assuming we're going to get that. I'm assuming we're going to get whatever mystery about his implant that was in the season two finale. I'm guessing that's going to be his like big spotlight episode. Is him finding that out? Uh, but you know, no, yeah, we've we've got seven more episodes. Everybody gets a turn. Um, give Miglio more screen time, please, please, please. So uh, let's see. Paul Wright says, "Yeah, this was Miglio's episode." Um, there was a TAS cameo. So there was a TAS cameo. I didn't. I mean, I don't see every single one, but you know, was there one? The um, the um, uh, Beetlejuice looking snake thing. That's what I thought. That, that yeah. was yeah. That's okay. a TAS reference. Somebody will know the episode. Um, and somebody is screaming either into their phone or at their computer. Um, but I saw that. <laughs> I can see someone screaming right now. Yeah. Uh, I saw that in a uh, nice uh, in, in a list of um, 
how you say Easter eggs, because I knew I thought this was a great device as well. The fantasy balls to have a lot of Easter eggs in a way that felt organic to the plot. Mm -hmm. um, but also like if they Borgify one more animal, I'm going to cry. Please stop. I don't like that. So, Chris, you put that on your list of things to like crochet now, like Borg snake. Uh, is that going <laughs> to we'll be see, we'll see. My, my favorite thing, which it took two watches to get is mm -hmm. Boimler's nightmare is definitely a 1970s California raisin like that purple blob. Yes. Yep. Like th yes. that's it. And I was like, oh, that's what that is. Okay, good. That's, that's a good callback. I like that. That was very fun. Cool. So uh, before we let you go, because uh, we have uh, callers lining up, as they should be, because this is such, such a super fun episode, um, where do we go from here? Like, who who do you want to see focused on next? Uh, that's tough. I mean, obviously, like I said, Rutherford. Um, we haven't got a lot of shacks this season. I'd like to see some more shacks, maybe some mm -hmm. more shacks, uh, Tayana stuff. That'd be mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I think we're we're off to a good start. This is easily the best of the first three. Um, so hopefully we keep firing on all cylinders and we're really excited to see where we go. One thing that just sprung to mind because, you know, I was thinking of Dr. Tana, the whatever alien that was sucking on that guy's foot. Okay, for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, I'm I'm just completely drawn into like the alien sucking on the nacelle of the Cerritos at the credits and this thing like attached to this guy's foot, I thought was hilarious it, it it was nothing it was like a nothing moment i was dying i was like crying the whole time like why is this thing sucking in this guy's foot and why can't they do anything about this so um maybe that's going to be a cosplay for me i'll just walk around with like you know a shoe off and have something like just sucking on my foot no that's good that's, that's <laughs> nice that's like like nice good entry level go for that Definitely. yeah you know yeah you know those like little um those little finger puppets they used to have you know, they're like little demons and stuff that will like, yes. they would shake. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Like put like one on each of my toes. I'm done. I would, I'll win, you know, any cosplay contest. You know, well, then you can mind. get the large slug from the opening credits. That's on the back of the Cerritos to put on mm -hmm. your head. It's a complete look. Perfect. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to win all the things. So, um, Chris, great to see you. Uh, thank you for doing the assignment. You not only is your shirt blue, but your <laughs> headphones are blue as well. You're one cool dude, dude. So thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, good luck in the costume contest next year, Norm. And, I'm going up uh, against you. I better see something. Like I want to see like cetacean ops being mad about dirty shoes. That's what I want to see. All right, All right, All right buddy. See you around, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. All right, actually, so we obviously have somebody to a uh, to to grit at you about because of the TAS reference. We have Doctor Dawson. That's fine. That's what Dr. we bring in our. <laughs> he's he's going to bring his Dawsonness right now. I, I am. It is. Uh, it was KugelCon from How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth, the animated series, Thanks. which was voiced like all the creatures in the am animated series by James Doohan. So, uh, do you know that off the top of your head, or did you Google that up? I didn't know that. Well, James Doohan voiced literally every everyone, everyone, <laughs> everyone, or. Uh, no, I mean like the whole thing, like Kuklacon. Like you knew that by like on site. It's Kuklacon, and uh, I don't remember. <laughs> well, I don't. Well, that's the funny story. The story goes that um, uh, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner recorded their animated series uh, stuff as as happens from in two different studios, and one pronounced it Kuklacon, and I think the other pronounced it Kuklacon. So if you watch the episode The Kuklacon, yeah. Yeah, there's different uh there's different pronunciations throughout the episode. Well all who... I'm hearing is Kublai Khan from, yeah. from, right, from the Dynasty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. So who said it who said it one way? Shatner said it wrong. Unequivocally Shatner said it wrong. But it's like but it's like is it the same thing as like sabotage? You know, it's like because obviously sabotage is right. So like I said sabotage, <laughs> I said it right. So it's sabotage. <laughs> Um, it's Kukla Khan. I mean, it's Kukla Khan. So obviously he must be right. How do you know this stuff? You're amazing. Your brain. Because, because this is what I do. You, you, we've talked. Norm, I have no life. This is, this is my life. So we've talked, but I didn't know the brilliance of, uh, of what you speak. <laughs> now, um, but in the episode, you had mentioned the, the, the sick bay scene and that, and I fell out of my chair during that scene. <laughs> Dr. Tana being, He's like, oh, what's going to happen? You're going to be fine. Shut up. And then turning around and having another completely. Uh, and it's like, and we're just going to have to cut off his leg. It's, it's, it's fine. Another one will grow back. What? Oh, oh it, it's fine. Shut up. You'll be fine. It's so frenetic in sickbay, but she knows like, it's like, that's what she does. Like, you know, it's just everything everywhere all at once. 
I was, I don't know, man. I don't, we just don't see enough of Ta'ana. And she's just, she kills the scenes, man. She does like just drives those scenes bonkers. I love it. It's, does so- does Bedside Manor translate to the 23rd and the 24th century? Because it's such a customary thing, particularly to like a uh, North American culture that your doctor has to be kind to you. But like, what if your doctor's a Tellerite? And their they way of showing- with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like their way of showing respect and deference is by being a complete butthole. Like this, this now I'm wondering if maybe Dr. Sean is actually like has excellent bedside manner, just not by the human experience. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very it, well possible. Yeah. Her, her bedside manner. It'd be like if um, Jet Reno from discovery was the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me so much of that. Those characters just, would be hilarious together and i think that uh that's what it reminds me of is the, the that's the crossover episode we need i'm i can see like jet you know like taking her gum and like sticking it in somebody's like phaser burn like here go go back to work you know that, that's all you need you know you're good you're fine you know stick a exactly. tape an aspirin to it or something yep. right? did you have a favorite um a favorite scene like a favorite favorite scene you know uh something that was like a callback something that wasn't a, a kukulkan or kukulkan however you want to pronounce it um, I think seeing Leah Brahms was a was just a, one of those aha yeah moments. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so the there are so many like young young men or maybe young women. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak for anyone's you know attraction to her, but of a certain age when like Leah Brahms come on, you're like, oh, it's Leah Brahms. <laughs> <laughs> like the bass just drops, like boom, it's Leah Brahms, right? And the writing for her was just, it was so, it was so tuned up, right? It was like riding the edge of maybe being a little too risque, right? But that's what, that's what Lower Decks does. Uh, How did you feel about Jennifer, the Andorian? Turned on, turned off? What do you think? You know, it was, it was interesting and it was unexpected. I think it was something that was a little unexpected. So, um, and the fact that we are at a point in in this fandom or this whatever the word is the in star trek worlds that like it just was what it was right. there was no you know there was no big deal sort of sort of like uh, back to discovery with colbert and stamets it just is what it is and uh We've gotten to that point in society in the future that, okay, nobody was like, what? They're like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Like they're unflapped, unflappable. I appreciate your your very mature take on it. And we were over here being like, but I'm thirsty for this Andorian. (laughs) And you're like talking about the implications of it in like the culture of the show and the culture of the people who consume the show. Like this is... Actually, thank, someone's got to do it so on the show. Someone's got to do it tonight. It's not going to be us. It's not going to be us. That's why Doctor is Dawson, right? Mm-hmm. That's, he's the Dawson caller. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Chris. So, you know, we all have our favorites. Uh, is, there, is there a character so far on the show that you haven't seen enough of and certainly not enough of Jennifer or maybe Leia Brahms? Or maybe Leia Brahms and Jennifer together because we did see that scene. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. We did. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think that the the Boimler character is probably my favorite, but obviously we see a, a lot of him. Uh, but I think he's my favorite just because he's just like this klutzy, wants to fit in, can't fit in thing. So sort of like my my life. So. <laughs> Um, you're you know, not a it, robot you're not a robot I'm not Dr. a Dawson. robot but but that was and that that was another scene the, the the final scene where they're like oh everybody's awesome like, but but we thought he was a, like a a micro robot or whatever it was <laughs> and he's like i'm not i'm not but everybody's like yeah you are you you in, really really are in star trek how can robot be an insult when data is one of the greatest characters to ever come out of the franchise yeah. and yes i know don't have to tweet me that he's an android i uh, i know but come on <laughs> there's a difference between a robot and an android did i just fail something i think i did oh yeah and if you get into the marvel comics then there's synthesoids hey. oh my yeah. gosh we can't yeah. do that yeah. <laughs> 
Um, one last thing. Anything else you wanted to touch on, Dr. Dawson, before we do a station identification? No, I think uh, was it my favorite episode, but it was not, you know, a terrible episode either. I think it, it think it had it kept my interest through the whole through the whole thing. There was, I I think less fan service, call it, than the previous couple episodes. Um, and I think that was good because the last couple episodes were just, especially the, the Bozeman, Montana, Zephyr Cochran stuff. I mean, oh that entire God. episode was so just good. like <laughs> reference, 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 reference from all of the different iterations. And this one, you know, they were, they were, Leah Brahms was a great cameo, but mm-hmm. it wasn't in your face as, hey, we're doing this. Like the reason to watch this is because we've put fan service into it. So right. It wasn't like seeing Batlets and Banooks, you know, like yes. that was, it was having, <laughs> that's still one of the greatest that's the things. name of somebody's uh, memoir coming up. Yeah. And, and having Hartzler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I, I wanted to thank you, Dr. Dawson, for um, uh, bringing a tone of uh, intelligence and sincerity and quality to our show, because <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, as soon as uh, you're off the air, yeah, we're going to go back to, um, you know, talking about Menifer. So because as mm-hmm. we do, as, and as we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, man. Appreciate your calling. And uh, we'll see you on the Discord because you are on the Discord. All right, buddy. And speaking of, so With that's what I'm going to do now. And, and we're, yeah. you're one of our patrons and we have pa- actually a lot of our callers are patrons. And it's not, a, you know, it's, not a, it's not a prerequisite to sign up and call in, even though Earl will scream you and probably squeeze you for a few shekels. But uh, we're going to talk about Patreon because Patreon is how we are supported here doing what we do on Mission Log. And uh, when you go to patreon.com slash mission log, you can take a look at all different ways to support us. And once you do, once you choose your tier to get your entry and your swag, because our swag is pretty cool, if I do say so myself, uh, we have a great coffee mug that says Raptagino is for closers, right? You know, you got to do the ABCs of closing and only Raptagino is for closers. You get to look at the Discord, and the Discord is where you get entry into this great community of people that we're talking to on a daily basis. And we do all different types of fandoms. You know, we go all the way from food all the way to every almost a decade of science fiction and fantasy. Uh, we have uh, pretty much every channel that we can make for Star Trek, from the movies, the TV shows, individual TV shows, to books, you know, and all the different mission log shows that we do. So. Uh, Ashley, you know, you're, you're one of our family there, you know, you're one of the patrons and on discord. And, uh, I know that you have been busy, but I know that you've also been on there before and maybe you could tell the audience a little bit of your experience there too. I really love the discord and I actually comb, I'm very much a lurker, but I comb through there for people's insights when I'm making my show notes, because everybody there is so friendly, so open, so smart and the amount of threads that are in this Discord is shocking. Everything you could want to talk about, like the Rings of Power thread, is making my whole life right now as a avowed fantasy nerd as well as a Trekkie. Mm-hmm. And I just can't speak highly enough to how respectful everybody is there as well. And I have people who message me directly there, and everyone's been so nice and so sweet and so kind and so friendly. It's it's a distillation of what you get here, but in a one-on-one interaction. So if you like Mission Log, particularly if you are like myself, more of a lurker, I can't encourage you enough to check out the Discord and have that personal one-on-one experience. Um, and also, there's a lot of funny gifts. There's a few gift masters who go out there and really show out for us with every reference. <laughs> Is GIF Canadian for GIF? I just, you know. Yeah, it's sure. the proper pronunciation. Like, there's a U in it, like in color. Right. A color. Oh, okay. yeah. Get out of my gifs. All right. So, yeah. Out of my house. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Ashley, for that. I appreciate that. And I appreciate everyone's support here in chat, especially Heather, who like in all straight up caps, sell it, Norm. I am. I've been doing that because, you know, John will whip me. He'll beat me until morale improves. You know that you've heard him say that. Um, speaking of which. So that was the whole Patreon thing. So please go to patreon.com slash mission log. Take a look at the way that you're going to support us. We really appreciate your help. And it helps us do things like, you know, plan for the next, uh, the big party event that we're going to have at uh, the Rio next year at Star Trek STLV 57. Um, there's something here that I would actually want to drop into uh, Epicureanism, which is one of our Patreon Discord threads. This is for John, because there is a huge table of food. And I would be remiss 
as a host and his friend if I didn't say what was on that table of food when Captain Freeman and the other captain were not accepting the stone I thing. can't believe you noticed this. Like when I saw this in the notes, I was like, <gasps> it's what we do. If there's food <laughs> on the show, it's what we do. So doing the John Champion Epicurean segment of the show in Captain Freeman's meeting room, we have on display several cheeses, I believe brie and camembert, <laughs> served on a starship charcuterie board, different types of hors d'oeuvres shaped in little deltas, and naturally my favorite, guacamole and tortilla chips. <laughs> it wouldn't be a California class ship if we didn't have guac and chips, right? So that's the important stuff. That's the serious stuff that we talk about on Discord. That's why you should sign in and show up to talk about food. All right, um, Ashley, let's get back yes. to your notes for a little bit before I take our next caller. Uh, there are a couple things that uh, you were emboldening, making note of. Looks like you wanted to talk about a couple things. Yeah, I um, I wanted to talk about the sort of you open with your morals meetings messages and then I felt like I didn't have sufficient and I gave it a little think as you were mm-hmm. speaking. And I really think that this episode speaks to the ideas that you need to embrace your fantasies because they are played for yucks. But if you break down what is in the fantasy, it reflects a lot about who these people are and what they need and what their strengths are. Boiler in particular comes to mind because he wants to be the adventure captain who goes right to being captain to fight the Borg. And then he literally is confronted by a Borgified character later in this episode. And that character who is charismatic, who is Kirk-esque, is inside himself. And we get a glimpse of that when they go and hide inside the cave with the Carlsbad crew and then leave later. Like, if Mariner is a little softer and a little more embracing of her feelings, she becomes a more fully-fledged human being, which is what the Jennifer character is trying to show her. With Rutherford and Leah Brahms, Rutherford just has to science you know, the shit out of something to quote the Martian <laughs> and then he'll save the day. Um, also, if you, why, if you have screeners, you get to see all of these things play out in future episodes that we'll get to talk about soon. And it's, it, it's really interesting that it's presented in such a silly way because when they lean into these things that they want most, they become this more complete version of themselves. And I just mm-hmm. love the way that it's presented. And I love that it's played for comedy when it's actually something that's so serious. And I very much embrace the idea that I don't have guilty pleasures. If I like something and it's bad, I'll just straight up tell you that it's bad. And I think that that, whether that is a television show that you like, or whether that is some urge that you've been keeping down, I would, I would encourage us to be more like the Cerritos crew and embrace it because the whole show has been played for yucks for quite a while as well. And we're learning from all these new characters from the Carlsbad who I really hope we get to see again with their dominant groined uh, properly healed. Exactly. That those mm-hmm. qualities are to be admired. I didn't know. Was that, that was Tellerite, right? I assumed yeah. so. But now someone is yelling at their phone saying, no, it's not. It's a cat or something. But yes, I assumed it was a Tellerite. I mean, I think a Tellerite would have a dominant groin. You know, so. <laughs> uh, a Klingon certainly would. Yeah, two of them. You know, mm-hmm. some would say, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's actually a really good point, Ashley. You know, it's a, the interesting phrase that I picked up in that is guilty pleasure, because if it's something that you really enjoy and it's something that someone else doesn't enjoy, that's your pleasure. It doesn't have to be guilty because it's, it's what makes you happy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I've said that on, on occasion that, you know, like Roadhouse, you know, one of the greatest movies ever made starring Patrick Swayze mm-hmm. uh, and um, guilty pleasure of mine. But it's not a guilty pleasure. I like it because I'm from a small town. There was actually a bar. Uh, you know, one of those kind of like, you know, peanuts under the feet kind of bar in Alliance, Ohio called the Double Deuce. It was like on the outskirts of town. Of course, it's called the Double Deuce. Course, yeah. <laughs> and it was just after the fact. And this was like when I was growing up and I'm like, you know, yeah, that's the kind of place where you'd have like honky tonk and people getting like, you know, thrown out of bars and, you know, someone would like throw like some kind of like a stop sign in someone's Mercedes. It's that's all that's all where I came from. So when I watch a movie like that, it's like, yeah, it reminds me of something special. That's not a guilty mm-hmm. pleasure. That is just straight up pleasure. You know, so. What I'm trying to say, folks, is whatever those green fantasy balls give you, <laughs> does that not give you pleasure, as Galt would say? Just oh, saying, my gosh. I Are you break- not entertained? <laughs> does it not give you pleasure? <laughs> so, anywho, um, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, someone who brings me a lot of pleasure as a friend and as a uh, caller in for the show is Paul Harveth, and he's next online. So he gives me great pleasure calling in. <laughs> Norman. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, yeah, that was outstanding. I sort of embarrassed by that, but thank you very much. Um, consider you a friend 
uh, particularly after meeting you in person in uh, Vegas. That was a lot of fun. Um, But, you know, this episode, I'm just so wiped out by listening to Ashley's recap. And I've watched it (laughs) twice. I was like, oh, my God, how do you keep up? There was one, a couple things that happened tonight that have been very interesting. I I think Chris has has taken some tendisms as she spoofed you or or she spoofed Boimler by doing the arm thing and the robot at the very end. Mm -hmm. Chris, Chris just did the same thing to you, Norm, on your own show with the cosplay thing and a sock. I, I think we got to watch Chris. I think there's, there's, there's some, you know, trickling in from the show into his brain and we need to maybe watch that. Um, Okay. Just just an observation I saw. I mean, you know, uh, put it in the notes. We'll put it in the, uh, in the show. notes. (laughs) You know, it yeah. was it was pretty funny to watch, though. <laughs> you know, the beginner <laughs> level cosplay was pretty interesting. Um, I got to object, though, to how Stevens is being treated here. Now, look, as the only person <laughs> that oh. I can logically cosplay, yeah. why would you break the guy's arms? I thought he was dead. I thought, oh, man, Steve, they off Stevens. I was just almost in tears there halfway through. And now, well, at least he's just got broken arms. And then he can't even have a drink at the end. I It was it was just just disconcerting. So, you know. Don't we don't we can't we give Stevens a little love? Yeah, well, I, I, think, mean, I, I think like the moral of the story here is like, you know, we really just got to just not hero worship ransom. That's the problem. Like, just don't I mean, like, that is just, good advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, solid advice. <laughs> Honestly, like at first glance, and it wasn't just in, until I realized that he was re- wearing red. It's like I thought it was Billups for a second. I'm just like, did they put Billups in a weird costume or something? Because like I'm. <laughs> I, I, you know, because they don't really differentiate, you know, from the follically challenged on that show. I'm just saying, right? I just that's the way it was. So, but I'm I'm so glad that I'm 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 glad, sad, not glad, sad, uh, that he wasn't able to enjoy his. Obviously, it was a bourbon, so he he threw bourbon all over his face, just like yeah. the old airplane joke. You know, I have a drinking problem. You know, and he throws <laughs> it on his face. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. Um, you know, I. I just had to eject there but the uh the funniest moment of this for me i i've actually laughed out twice loud i mean loud was the exchange <laughs> when when mariner's fantasy shows up and it's jen and and rutherford's looking going that's your fantasy oh yeah, <laughs> just go back to leah brahms i mean i literally just am rolling laughing that at that interchange between those two you know voice actors across where however they did it Oh my word! That was so incredibly funny. I, I wow! And then, you know, and then the the nightmare, of course, for Mariner has got to be Wolf Jennifer, right? You know, which mm-hmm. side do I? You know, <laughs> it's it's like crazy. But I will which, end, side, which which inner wolf are you going to feed? Yeah, you know? exactly. I will end yeah. on this: the moral meaning and message. And I'm just you know amazed at how different this is than than Ashley and. Um, it, what a joy to have you back and see you in person again and, and the arm stuff, you know, well, I gotta, I gotta do this one. You do this one. I do this one. Cause I have a round face. <laughs> yes, you yes, know, you yes, and I yes. together, I have a very pointy face, almost have a normal shaped face. <laughs> um, so the moral meaning message I got, of course, being a retired person and looking at something, you know, uh, I don't know, just different was uh, don't make assumptions. I either they're mm-hmm. going after each other, right? Oh, well, they're trying to show us up. Well, no, they're trying to show us up when actually it's a departed respect for each other. So, wow, what a great lesson there is there. Um, mm-hmm. Just a, an amazing episode. And so um, I just feel privileged to have you two talking about it because I really think you both connected very well with this episode tonight. So thank you for everything. Thanks. See you again sometime. Thanks, nice Paul. to see you. It's been too give, long. Give it, what, so, Paul, like of all the uh, arm movements that you're going to steal from Ashley, ah. I do love this, you know, just because it, it, it helps shape my chin, you know, a little bit. So um, what would you do? Like, I also, I, I like the sweating with that. I have to watch it in slow motion. There's so much going on. And we were having a little conversation. It's like, holy cow, how much caffeine has she had? And um, yeah, I, I'm in, I, I admire them all. And uh, you can tell she's an actor, pure and pure. And I'd love to see you on stage, young lady. So looking forward to that. Someday soon. We're speaking it into the universe. Whee. And we'll make it happen. Throw it out there. Yeah. See Let's you all. Uh, fire up those green energy pleasure balls and we will make it happen um and i know that his are in the air right now because alan likes juggling a lot of green fantasy energy balls because that's what he does welcome back to the show alan (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that everyone's going to be voguing, and I don't know how to vogue properly. <laughs> yes, we're absolutely it's it's vogue time. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's great to see you guys, Ashley. Welcome back. Nice to have you back with us. Thank you. But uh, but yeah, I. I uh, a lovely episode this week. Uh, sadly, a little bit of a, a, a break in a trend because, uh, you know, for the first two weeks, there were specifically, you know, great things that I was very much looking forward to having in my real life. Historic Bozeman. Yes. Bentless and Binox. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, glowing balls that make uh, your uh, innermost thoughts come to life. Mm-hmm. I'll take a pass on that one. <laughs> but... Why? Because <laughs> that see means your that fantasy you... is dark. <laughs> because you can make your batlist and Benus come true. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it all I works gonna... together. Yeah, my my yeah. What would appear uh, before me is a D and D group that shows up regularly. <laughs> oh, the cut but, is deep uh, and real ooh, and yeah, true. That's 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 harsh, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, there's 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 privacy. <laughs> privacy <laughs> is a thing. Just like you know, I, I I expect Jordy wanted that to stay on the holodeck, and now it's just still out there. It's, it really is. You know, TNG yeah. TNG really dragged Jordy for yeah. his relationship with women, which, given how to this day very attractive LeVar Burton is was never anything I ever bought the Leah Brom story I think it's very well done but I was like yeah. you can't, you're telling me this guy can't get any I don't know <laughs> yeah Susan Gibney Julie Warner he had he had his pick on that yeah. ship but you know <laughs> but yeah and and kudos to Susan Gibney for you know clearly being an it getter <laughs> when it comes to this stuff because that's it really sort of that that performance really sort of resonated with like okay I'm gonna you know go straight into why why people remember this and why this is funny so oh yeah well you know that's the it's an interesting thing because that's kind of like that is a deep cut thing when you know fans of a certain knowledge base you know when they see Leah Brahms they're like oh we remember that relationship or lack thereof with Jordy, you know, yeah. with the, the holodeck, you know, the holodeck situation. I mean, it's the kind of same thing with Minuet, you know, in, in Riker, you know, when you see that happen, if it was referenced, you're like, oh, this is the tragedy of that story. But then you get new audiences, right? And then new audiences that don't get those deep cut references. Do they still work on a certain level? I think they do, but not as deeply. Yeah. And in that respect, I'm kind of glad that that was sort of like the one big reference of this episode that was sort of like, hey, remember? And, and you know, you kind of get that with the how sharper than the serpent's tooth creature, uh, and some of the other stuff that they brought in there. Um, but those were just sort of like the typical background elements, and you know, people can appreciate them or not. Uh, what I liked about this episode is that it did sort of like hue to that sort of general sci-fi thing that star trek obviously would do but hasn't done yet in terms of the you know specifically the green ball that makes your fantasies come to life they've had other fantasy stuff and they've had other glowing balls but never together so you know it's the reese's peanut butter cup of uh of of sci-fi here but (laughs) but yeah um i will say i did have one minor critique of the episode in that I thought they leaned a little bit too heavy at the start with the uh, Carlsbad crew um, being very standoffish with the Cerritos people. If they were, you know, it didn't come across in any way, shape or form like hero worship. So at the end, when it turns out that that's the case, it did feel like a bit of a cheat. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing wise like I think it might have been you know not to do the uh, mission log writer's hat thing but do it do it do it do it <laughs> rewrite this episode uh, I'm I would I would have uh, I would have pegged them as like instead of you know competitive or you know competitive with the the Cerritos I think you can play off we're kind of like awestruck and starstruck a little bit as 
uh, as being, you know, standoffish and, you know, uh, sort of like the, the Cerritos people could interpret that as they think we're bad luck because all this crazy bleep keeps happening to us. And I think you could do pretty much the same uh, joke structure with the rest of the episode, but it comes from a place uh, that's a little bit more authentic towards like, no, we weren't, we weren't afraid of you. We were, we were, you know, so blown away that we didn't even want to talk to you kind of a thing. Um, I don't know. That's, yeah, just, that, that's, that's, just that's, that's fair. That's fair. And I, I maybe, uh, you know, if they, probably like you know crack that code a little earlier on it wouldn't have yeah. you know, seemed like such a uh you know a, an immediate flip you know a subversion of expectation there so you're like oh, oh of course this is the reason why you know it's a very standard trope um and maybe maybe that's the kind of thing that you can do when you're focusing on like one story but you know you really had a strong story with tendy and miglimu and uh, again there's a subversion of expectation there thinking that he would probably be the person that would be able to shore her up for being a science officer but no it has to be Don. it has to be dr tana so yeah i thought that was a really sweet thing because you know i i that's one of the the sort of relationships that i that i think works the best in this show because they are kind of like very sort of coming at things from very opposite points of view and uh, very sort of polar opposite personality uh, types, but they, it, it just sort of like, they, they work together really well. And I'm glad that, that, that they're still going to be able to have that kind of relationship, even if her career, even if Tendi's career goes off in a different direction from being the, the medical uh assistant uh like like she was at the beginning i think that's a good thing and i'm glad that you know maybe some element of that gets to continue but do you think going back to um last episode do you think that that's what they were trying to do with ransom and mariner it looks like there's like a kind of a continuation of mentor mentee and maybe ransom and mariner are obviously going to have you know they're going to clash because their personalities are so strong and you know, maybe in Ta'ana, you know, she's not always there, but when she's there, she makes her point very well known. The way that she was trying to tell Tendi, you got to just basically cut through the noise and make your point as well known as you can, because that's what her advice was. So, oh, yeah. Do you think that we're seeing a trend here in like these characters? I mean, if we see, say, a Rutherford focused <laughs> episode, are we going to see him back with Billups? We're going to see him with somebody else. Oh, probably Billups. Well, you know, Rutherford had that great. What was it like the second or third episode where he was he was mentored by everybody and it went really really well. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a great episode. <laughs> yeah, that's oh god. Yeah, that's that's just. But uh, but yeah, I I think that's a possibility, and I do agree that Rutherford is due. Uh, I think Chris was saying that earlier in the show that you know it'd be nice to get a little bit more with him and you know kind of what's making him tick. I think. Of the four, he's probably got the the least amount of attention in terms of, you know, personality building, uh, backstory, and, and things like that. So hopefully that's hopefully that's on the agenda uh, for the remainder of the season. So also, what is done. what is the implication of Tendi going into the senior officer track? Oh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, is she going to be the first one to finally accept the I'm in America lieutenant? Right? Ah, she's uh, <laughs> she's the the Patty Yusitaki of that group. Yeah, which would be so great, but also kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that means one of them might die. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's if keep Shaq's, this on the upswing. Yeah, if, no, no, no. Shaq's came back. Shaq's came back. Yeah. Uh, so yes. you know, it, people can come back in this show. That's yeah. Boiler uh, also came back. He did. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah, he, now there's two of them. So. <laughs> oh, that's right. The other Boimler's out there in the universe. I wonder if they're going to capitalize on that. I don't know why I went in the full oh, shadow really? mode on that. It's because I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to say. And like, are they going to capitalize? <laughs> Is I'm going to capitalize on this. So I I have no idea, but (laughs) there's always possibilities. Oh, well done, sir. That that is always good. Um, You heard it here, folks. And uh, we're going to relish in that. I I hope we can gif that or gif that uh, somewhere 
later down the road. Tag me if you make it. Uh, (laughs) Um, Jif is peanut butter. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Alan, for that. And thank you for calling in. Uh, Always appreciate hearing you and and your your deep thoughts on Lower Decks. Well, thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure to to be able to, to call in and and uh, yeah, just have a, a great conversation. And you know, uh, even I wouldn't even say it. You know, this is this is definitely a good episode. I think it's got a lot of great things going for it. The uh, the the possibilities are there for lots of very interesting cosplay coming up. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily looking forward to Klingon clowns in <laughs> <our> space, but <laughs> they're there now. There you go, Paul Harvest. <laughs> Someone has mentioned Klingon clowns. Yes. He, was, he was he was worried about that. Oh, so. good. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but yeah, it just it's just you know another another solid fun uh, trip through the the lower decks. Gotta love it. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for calling in, Dan. Yeah. We will see you back on the Discord. All right, love the Discord. Have a good right. one, guys. Bye-bye. Nice to well, see man. you again. See you. Yeah. <laughs> So with a little bit of time we have left, Ashley, because I wanted to ask you this, just kind of like your your ballpark summation of how you feel about the first <laughs> two episodes. Episode one, huge, right? You had Bozeman, Montana. You had my favorite part in the, uh, probably in the history of Lower Decks, because I really want to go there now. I want to go to Thirst Contact. I thought that was the greatest thing ever. Uh, okay. I mean, clearly you and I are game for Thirst Contact. I think right. that's very, very obvious. Yeah. Uh, they referenced my favorite ever Trek movie. So definitely happy about that. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that the first episode of the premiere episodes of a of a new season of Lower Decks are a little bit catch up. Not a ton. It's on happens. It's more like, here's the status quo. Here are these characters. Here's a fun adventure. We're going to do more of this because I remember the season two premiere being very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed I enjoyed the first two. But I like this one the best. Oh, good, good. <laughs> we all have our favorites. I mean, I, I like, I haven't had a favorite one yet. I've liked elements of them. Like I, I liked obviously like leaning into first contact. Obviously, there's a lot of love there and a lot of nostalgia that's being pulled. You know, we're saying okay, there's you know the there's the uh, the Zephram Cochran hat. You know, there's all the stuff that's going on in Bozeman land. You know, obviously there's first contact, which is amazing. He he even had like the the Steppenwolf magic carpet ride disc. All of that so stuff funny. is there and. <laughs> I'm just wondering if it's not there, you know, what do you do to tell a really good, interesting story? And it's not saying that it wasn't an interesting story. It's just that, you know, there's so much there to drive you in so quickly and to capture you, you know, to, to bring you back to why you love Lower Decks so much. But the second episode, being a and d player and being someone who mm-hmm. like, loves fantasy and role-playing games, I love just the genuine, like, authenticity of what they were trying to do with like Dungeons and Dragons and the Klingon VHS game, you know, where I'm glad that JG has so his moment in the funny. sun because you know, Robert O'Reilly's Galron, he was all over that VHS game, but now you have the, the Ferengi son, like the cheap knockoff I and mean, all that stuff. So real world in the details, you know, in I, this think, obvious. I think that could come back too. that could either be a trope that we see return to repeatedly, like community eventually seasonally had their D and D episodes, but right. we've seen a number of in universe games that these characters, play and i would like to see them referenced or revisited even even in here's a here's a free idea for the animators even in a a background all on boimler's shelf or something like that because we've Mm -hmm. built up enough of a catalog but just with like the klingon game in particular is such a specific moment in like trek fandom history and in our nostalgic love of things that are like of questionable quality perhaps i'd love to see it come back but i thought it was great use in that episode i love i want to see like somewhere along the line on maybe like in Boimler's, you know, his in his bunk or something like that, the selfie of him in Karanch, right? Or yes. Karanch, you know, because oh just God. the spear sticking out of him in Cameron. It's like, you know, one more for the boys back home. You know, that was hilarious, right? That was so good. That's what Lower Decks can do. You're like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to kill him. He's going to, and then all of a sudden he pulls out that giant weapon of some kind of, no, it's a selfie stick. It's his version of a selfie stick. I thought that was like the smartest thing ever. Um, we have a couple more here and I want to just get your thoughts on what do you think what do you think is going to like come up next? You know, like, what do you th- like? You where can't do you ask th- me that. I've watched all the screeners we got. <laughs> oh, unfair. You've I already have looked- watched oh, everything. So you have looked into, you have looked into the, uh, the seeing stones, all yeah. seven of them, all seven. I had, I had to really, I had to really like 
bite my tongue to say if people's um, hopes and dreams and predictions were like smart or full of folly. What? Tell me then, what do you want to see coming up? Well, you know, one one critique about the first episode was they wrapped up maybe Captain Freeman's storyline a little too quickly, you know, and obviously you had like uh, like this weird and sinister and very intelligent plan, you know, by the Packlids to do what they did. I'm like, that's kind of actually genius, you know, what they did. You know, like, we're going to destroy our world so that we can get a better world to be on, you know, and even in jail. So I wonder if the Packlids are going to be back also. Um, and because I was thinking of Valeria when I saw the opening, because Valeria hasn't called in in a while, um, mm-hmm. and this is just one of those pleas for for them to call in. Yes. I said, "Hey, there's a crystalline entity now. Like the entire like so opening funny. sequence is layered with just chaos now, right? It used to be just <laughs> the Borg ship, and then they would turn around. Then it was the Borg ship fighting the Romulans, fighting the Paclids, and now there's a crystalline entity. What is going on?" Right. And is that going to make an impact at all ever? We'll see. I bet because everything in the opening sequence has in some way, not necessarily as the big bad or a key plot point, but everything has been referenced from that. But I also love now that we know, like we have been taught that we're just going to get more and more nonsense. Like if this show, if we get seven seasons, 10 seasons, 15 seasons, 35 seasons and you and I are are here with our walkers. I can't wait to see what that screen is crammed with by the time the series is over. It's my, of all the Easter eggs, and we do get a lot of Easter eggs here on Lower Decks. Those are my favorite Easter eggs are the ones that they sprinkle into the opening credits. They're going to like, we know that it's probably going to, you know, jump the shark, jump the Fonzie shark when they start Easter egging themselves. That's when we uh, have that. Right? <laughs> it's like it's Jennifer the Endorian in her lingerie. It's just like floating in the background. Like, remember me, <laughs> season three, episode three. Yeah, we already saw that. You know, been there, done that. Or Mariner has, or maybe not. I don't know. Oh, I we'll bet she has. Hey, I oh. bet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Actually, thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm so with- happy to be back. With all your points of articulation, all the fans out there, uh, love the arm movements. And uh, I'm so glad that you are back with your energy. And that's only one cup of caffeine, people. Mission Log Live <laughs> is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the Evervescent, even if you don't see him, Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thanks, Ashley V., Robinson for co-hosting with me this week. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or who will join us later. We look forward to discussing Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 4 with you all next week. This is a Roddenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.